Anybody got the victory in here today? <laughs> if you don't have it by now, your capacity to receive it is in question. <laughs> Amen. I, you know, sometimes it's interesting, uh, dealing with people. You know, we, when you get, when you enter into the ministry, your life is the, you're in the people business, basically. And I'm always dealing with people and, and, uh, it's, it, it's wonderful and it can be challenging at times. Uh, it depends on who you're talking to. But I remember, uh, a lot of times, you know, you would preach, you'd be at a church as a guest speaker, have two or three days and you're teaching on faith in the mornings and preaching at night and, and then trying to help people, you know, to see the word and, you know, a lot of times folks just don't want to change. I mean, they just, they, this is the way they've always believed. This is the way they've always talked. This is the way they've always acted. And, and, uh, if it was good enough for grandma, it's good enough for me and that kind of thing, you know, and, and, uh, but you keep trying to show them fine, you know, tradition's not bad, uh, unless it challenges the word of God. And then you have to decide if you're going to stick with tradition. Tradition just means a, pattern of doing something over and over, or you're going to change that and do something new. Amen. And it's not new to God, is it? It's not new to the Holy Spirit, but it's new, can be new to us. And, um, if you've ever been on a diet or an exercise program or whatever, uh, you know, it seems strange and odd at first, the way you're going to be eating now, the way you're going to be behaving. But, uh, once you get the, what we call the hang of it, uh, you, it gets to be a little bit more normal. And then finally, it, you start enjoying that and the results from it. You get results, right? When you start, when you start, your clothes start fitting better, you start feeling better, maybe something like that. Then you go, Oh, well, this is, this isn't so bad after all. And in fact, it's a good thing. Well, it's that way with the things of God. I don't know why I got off on this, but it'll help you maybe. Um, Maybe somebody listening on, uh, watching on, on uh, line can relate that, uh, sometimes we have to change the way we're believing and the way we're thinking and the way we're talking. We have to get a hold of ourselves and change that. And at first it seems odd because we've been used to doing the other thing. But when, when we get that, when we get used to what we're doing now, praise God, uh, uh, we we start enjoying it because there's results from it. Amen. So one time we were traveling across the Great Plains, and the reason they're called great is because they're vast and huge. We were driving across one of the rectangle states um, in the northwest and north midwest, really, and uh, across, I don't know, Nebraska or someplace. And, uh, I'm, and we're, I, the, you know, my wife and kids are asleep in the back of the van and I'm driving and, uh, trying to change radio stations, find something. This is before Sirius or one of those subscription things. You know, this is like you're just trying to find any radio station you can connect with. Anybody ever done that? Listen to, you know, distraction. So I'm, I'm, I'm finding this radio station and there's a talk show. And they're have, it's a call in show, you know, like people are talking and they've got a bathtub cleaning expert. This is the, this is how interesting it gets in Nebraska. 
going across the uh, Great Plains. And so the, the bathtub person was talking about, depending on the trying to get rid of um, rust stains off of your bathtub. You know, bathtubs used to be, everything's plastic now, but they used to be made out of like cast iron and then they'd have porcelain on the top. And sometimes, you know, something sit on there long enough, it would eat through the porcelain into the cast iron and you get rust. Well, they had a, this, they talked about, you know, what to do if you've got a rust stain, you can try to clean it with this and add that and do something else to try to fix it. If that doesn't work, Finally, the final answer is, if none of your techniques work, you're going to have to call a reglazer guy, and he's going to have to come out and reglaze your tub. Simple thing. Expensive, but it works. So he was talking about all the degrees of cleaning things and getting hard water stains off and all this off of your bathtub. Can you believe I'm listening to this driving down the road? But I'm kind of interested to hear what he has to say. And so this is, here's our first caller. So this lady calls up and she's got the most irritating voice you've ever heard. You've heard of people that somebody says, you know, you go for a screen test and they say you've got a face for radio. Well, uh, some people have a voice for radio and they don't, and others don't. They should not be on the radio. So this lady calls in and she says, yeah, I was wondering if, um, you know, on your bathtub, I had a can of after, uh, shaving cream and I left it on there too long and it's rusted and now I've got a rust stain. And he said, well, now he had just told her what to do about it. Well, what you got to do, you got to scrub it with this and do that and add this product and whatever. And if that doesn't work, you have to get your tub reglazed. Yeah, because I got this stain on the tub and it won't go. And I thought, this is the way people are at church. When you tell them, they tell you what's wrong with their life and you say, okay, you need to do these three things and change something. Then they just keep going over the problem. Yeah, because I got this pain in my hip and every time I'm, you know, and it's like, well, what you need to do? Well, I know, but because every time, you know, and on and on and on. This lady must have said it seven times. I don't know why the person at the control didn't just hit the mute button. But she kept saying, well, I got, I got, I got this stain on the tub and, and, it, and it eats through and I can't and on and on and on, on and on and on. And we, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling it with her because I've got it memorized by now. And I used, I, next time I preached, I used it as an illustration. I said, this is the way we are with the things of God. So oftentimes we're hearing the word preached. Somebody's telling us that you need to change what you're thinking, change what you're believing, change what you're saying, change the way you're acting. And here's what you need to do. Yeah, because I got all these problems, man. And it's like, well, uh, okay. Guess what? Congratulations. You're going to keep the problems. As long as you just keep doing what you're doing, you're going to have the same problem. Don't everybody shout at once. It's not all that exciting, but it's true nonetheless. Amen? Turn to Romans 4. The creative power of the tongue. Here we go. More name it and claim it. Let me 
So you go to one of those name it and claim it church. That's right. Name it, claim it, and get it. Praise the Lord. All right, Romans 4. And of course, you know, the story here is about Abraham. Paul is retelling it. About how Abraham's faith produced a baby that, uh, you know, the laws of science and physics would tell you can't be produced. Uh, and just nature. But there's a great miracle here because, you know, they had the baby. And, uh, he was, he was 99. Sarah was much younger, way younger. She was 90. He was 99. <laughs> and, uh, the chances of them conceiving and producing a child is, is zero. In the natural realm, but because of the promise of God and Abraham, you know, held on to that promise, they had what God had uh, said and prophesied. Amen. Well, did it have? It was just a great miracle, and God swirled his finger in the air, and everything happened. You know, like uh, you know, some Disney movie. No, according to this scripture. Uh, Abraham had something to do with it concerning faith. Amen. Now, everybody here could probably raise their hand and everyone watching could raise their hand that there's some area of your life you could use a great miracle. <laughs> you could use something uh, that seems impossible. Well, now we could just go around all day, and it'd be all right to just say, well, with God, all things are possible. I know it looks impossible, but it's not possible. Thank God for God of the impossibility and all that. And that's great, and that's fine, and that's commendable. But uh, what if we could figure out a way from the Word, or be shown, not figure out a way, but to be shown in the Word, be taught in the Word how to cooperate with the miracle and cooperate with God, amen, and bring it about faster and better. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, how about you, if we could cooperate with the Lord and, and in a sense, make his job a little easier <laughs> because uh, the Bible does say that we have the ability, believe it or not, to limit the Lord God of Israel. Bible tells us that the children of Israel, because of their lack of faith, because of their lack of, we could say, let's, let's not use lack of faith because that's such a cliche in faith circles. Let's say their lack of cooperation with the spirit, their lack of cooperation with God's will and the promises of God, the lack of cooperation that, um, uh, they limited what God could do for them. He wanted to do more, but he couldn't because they limited. Well, you know, Brother Hagen said one time he was teaching along these lines at Assemblies of God Church and, uh, back in the late forties, early fifties. And, and, uh, he said he was teaching along that line and he said, you know, you can limit God and, and, and God doesn't just run over your will to do what he wants. And one of the guys, the second pew, second row, hollered out, 
God can do everything. He's God. And Brother Hagin said before he knew it, now you don't want to do that to a prophet because they'll read your mail in front of God and everybody. And Brother Hagin said, why didn't he make you pay your tithes then? Well, the guy was so embarrassed that he went under the pew. I mean, he got up under the pew and laid there for a while before he, you know, emerged like a turtle out of the swamp. So uh, you don't want to just shout out something like that and challenge the teaching when someone's trying to help you. Amen? And so I just figure, you know, the know-it-alls in the church, and every every church, maybe not ours in Jesus' name, we don't have anybody like this, but a lot of churches have know-it-alls. They know more than the pastor. They know more than any guest speaker. They know more than the Bible, almost. And uh, their their job is to defend the faith, defend what's always been, defend what's always been taught. They're the defenders of the castle. But uh, um, the Bible says that we grow, amen. And we grow, we grow from faith to faith and from glory to glory. I want to be in the moving ahead progressive group. How about you? And learning. And we don't want to be like those. The Bible says who are ever learning and never coming into the knowledge of the truth. And so we have to decide to open the door to our hearts and hear the word. Amen? And be, and then say, I'm a doer of the word. Well, why don't we confess that? I'm a doer of the word. Amen? Just say that out loud after me. I'm a doer of the word. And see, the Bible says to be a doer, not a forgetful hearer. So people, a lot of times folks say, well, I hear the word all the time. And yeah, well, you're a forgetful hearer because you're not doing it. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to do it, isn't it? Like we used to say, a lot of folks can talk the talk. They can't walk the walk. We need to be talking and walking. All right. I'm preaching myself happy. I don't know if I'm helping you. So um, Romans uh, 4, uh, 17 talks about how God and Abraham uh, uh, were able to cooperate together and bring about this great miracle. It says, uh, as it is written, amen. I love that, as it is written. You know, that's a good thing to get in your vocabulary and in your confession is to say, it is written. Well, you know, it doesn't look like I'm being healed. It doesn't look like my money's coming in that I've claimed. It doesn't look like this problem, this mountain's being moved. But what you need to start saying is, it is written, I have what I say. It is written, um, that if God be for me, who can be against me? And begin to make that a part of your confession. So here, Paul writes it. He says, as it is written... I have made thee a father. Remember, Paul is is a legalist. Paul is like an attorney. He was an attorney of Moses' law, a Pharisee, and uh, 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 kind of an attorney of the Mosaic law because that law was enforced on the lives of the Jews. It was their legal code. So he talks in legalese, which makes it kind of nice, doesn't it? In other words, first thing, if you go to an attorney with a problem, the first thing he's going to start asking you for is paperwork, right? Is this written down anywhere? Who signed it? Was it notarized? What, you know, the, the more 
legal language that's used and documentation, the better chance you have of winning your problem, your case, turning it around. And so Paul knew that. That's why he used God's will in the New Testament. He used as an example in Galatians, remember, he said, talked about, and as an example of a living will, of a will of a person. And then when they die, the will cannot, once they're dead, the will can't be changed. Because only the person that wrote the will or authorized the will can change it. And they're dead. You can't change, you can't go to the grave and ask for a signature. <laughs> the ship has sailed, right? It's over. So that's what Paul used. He says, in legal terms, this is what it looks like. Praise the Lord. In other words, you can stand on it. Like I told you before, I went to, had to go to probate court on behalf of a, my mother gave me power of attorney to do it. She didn't want to. And, uh, I went to probate court on behalf of my mother, uh, and my father who had passed away. And there was something wrong with the title and she wanted to sell the house and they messed it up. Somebody <laughs> messed it up, which can happen. And, uh, the first thing that the judge asked for, and the only document he asked for is, do you have a will? Is there a will? Yes. The, our attorney had already had it. He knew what was coming. Do you have the will? Yes. Okay. Let me see. So the guy, he leans back in his chair in his big judge chair, puts his glasses on the end of his nose and opens the document. Everybody's dead quiet in the courtroom while he reads the will. Out loud, not out loud, but he reads it to himself. And he looks for the certain page that's got the thing about the house title. When he found it, he goes, we go by what the will says. Woo! Praise God. That, no wonder Paul wrote that. It'll preach. Amen. Well, this is what, you know, the devil can argue with you all day long with circumstances and situations and the five senses, and what Aunt Myrtle's saying, and everybody else, and you've got the will in your hands. This, however, is the will. My father left all, every promise, every every provision he left me in this will. The word is his will. Do you like that? Now, it used to be, and especially in the South, it used to be, in, uh, you know, if anybody got into an argument in Augusta, Georgia or somewhere, <laughs> when I was growing up, uh, if somebody said, well, the Bible says, well, that settled the argument. Whatever the Bible, even the Bible Baptist would say that. Well, the Bible says, the Bible says, and if you, ha- if you heard the Bible says, that was it, everybody shut up. Well, that's changed now. That's not true anymore in the world. But it should be. Amen. What does the word say? What does the Bible say? Whatever the Bible says, that's what we're sticking with. Are we going to read this or just play with it? All right. Like Blanche playing with her fake coffee cup. Stuffed coffee cup. Those that are watching, Blanche is our French bulldog. And she runs the house. Uh, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom we believed, even God, who, 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 talking about what God does, who quickeneth the dead and calls, says calleth, which is old English, 
calleth those things which be not as though they were. And that's one of our foundational scriptures here on the creative power of the tongue. Calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, you know, some people would call that lying, but it's not lying because God's not a liar and he can't lie. And the devil is the liar and the father of lies. But in other words, you can, you can call or declare things that be not and act like they are already in existence. Well, that's what God did with Abram. It says, who, uh, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to his age of 99 and his problems. No, according to that which was spoken by God, so shall thy seed be. Now, I wrote in my Bible, or written, because it was first spoken, but then it was written so that we can read it. Amen. So, again, Paul said, as it is written, and then he says it basically as it was spoken. So, a rhema word is the spoken word written. It's not just spoken. It's the spoken word written. Amen. So, that would be an attorney's dream to defend you. He would say, so Mrs. Smith said this to you, yes, and then she wrote it down. It's spoken and written. We have that. Praise the Lord. God's words. How many believe every word that God has spoken is still in existence, is still out there in the universe, being resounded? God's words are living words. And he has not only spoken it, but he has written it. Amen. Jesus even said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that has been rendered, spoken by the word of God. Amen? So, let's look at this a little bit. When this happened, remember, Paul is saying that God has said that um, God has called, called Abraham a name, Abram a name. He has changed his name. Now, he, the name had meaning. So Abraham meant the father of many nations. The father of many. Well, to be a father of many nations, you got to have at least one child born. I mean, you can't be the father of many if you're not the father of one, right? And so he said, the father of many nations, and he said that your descendants will uh, be greater than the sand and the stars and all those things. And God meant when he said that, not just the lineage of the Jews, but those who are the faith of Abraham. Because Paul said that he's trying to show that um, because the Jews had this attitude that, uh, that well, if, we're, if you're not of the lineage of Abraham, that you're not really, you know, a, a child of God in the same, in the same category that they're in. But Paul is trying to teach, these are Romans, these are not, these are, these are Gentile people he's writing to. And he's saying, 
You also are a child of God. You also are in God's chosen category because Abraham's your father also. Praise the Lord. So when he said your descendants, it wasn't just natural bloodline descendants. It was also those who are of the faith of Abraham. Are y'all getting anything out of this? I'm like a fire hydrant today. But I'm trying to make one particular point, which hopefully I'll get that done here. Um, so, why does language calleth those things which be not as though they were? Well, it's because at the time that God changed Abram's name to Abraham, there was no baby. So, in a sense, we can say that God was calling him this name prophetically, right? Prophetically, futuristic. In, so, so, the point is, and, and Paul is encouraging us, if God can do that, we can do that. Amen. And I'm going to show you that you can talk like Jesus did. You can call uh, other things by a name. So that's why you need to, to call your, your body blessed and healthy even if you don't feel well. That's why you need to call your bank account blessed even if there's nothing in it. Genesis 17, 1. Let's look at this, just a few verses. Because it's, it's worth looking at. Even if I don't get through all my scriptures today, I, I want to just make this point. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram, now what's his name? Abram. Not Abraham yet in this story, is it? It's Abram. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be... Now see, that's futuristic, isn't it? It's in other words, this is prophetic. It's in the, it's in the prophecy realm. He's saying what's going to be, right? Still in the prophetic realm. This I, I can never illustrate this like I have it in my heart. But I want you to see this glorious thing here that happened. That was so glorious that Paul wrote about it. That in, this, in, in, a, in a flash, God changed Abram's reality from the future from being in the future to the past tense. He didn't even stop at the now. He went from the future to the past in one sentence. I guess God just said, you know what? I'm tired of talking. Talking's over. Time for action. Don't you love that our God is a God of action? So this is my big point today. I, I hope I get this over to you, it, it, why we need to do this. It is not just 
It, it doesn't need to become chanting like you're some Buddhist or something, you know. It's not like that. But it's we continue, when we think of a situation that needs to be changed and needs to be turned around so that our reality, our, 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 our natural world looks like the Word. That's what all we're trying to do. All Abram was trying to do was to, for his natural reality to look like what God had prophesied. That's all. Some of you will say, well, I, I don't care. I just want the will of God. Yes, amen. That's right. I want the will of God, and I find the will of God in the Word, and the will of God's not mysterious and hidden, and you never know what it's going to be, and you just have to be willing no matter what, and you don't need to know. That's not true. God told Abram what he was going to do. God told Moses. God told all of his servants, all of his children, always, this is the plan. This Here's the promised land. Go look at it. Take a sample of the grapes. It was never hidden and weird and mysterious. Somehow the organized church has made it like that. But it's not Bible. God is not hiding His will from you. God is not trying to send you through the dark valley when you think you're going to the top of the mountain. This is not God. I don't know who that is, but it ain't God. I'm the Bible God, anyway. How many understand what I'm trying to say here? See how we have to change our thinking? And you've got, if you've got religious relatives and stuff, they'll try to convince you that you're crazy. Well, I think, okay, well, if I'm crazy, uh, after, after, following the Word of God, then let me be crazy. Amen? Like that song that uh, crazy, crazy, crazy in love. You know, all right. Maybe we'll sing that. Those crazy faith people, they're in denial. Those crazy faith people are in denial. Name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. Okay, fine. I'll, I'm just acting like God, so I guess you're calling God crazy. And uh, apparently Abraham and the Apostle Paul. I think I'm in good. I think I'm in good company. Well, that ain't the way we believe it. Well, how's that worked out for you? Not usually very good. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm getting snarky. Praise the Lord. But you know, we need, we need to like come face to face with this. Are we going to do it or not? All right. Um, he said, Thou shalt be a father of many nations. Again, in verse 4, he's, he's in the futuristic, prophetic sense, right? Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, which is a past tense name. In other words, it's something that you would only get named after the award is given out. 
You don't, you don't use the title doctor until they've given you the doctorate. So it's a, it's a past tense kind of thing. And he said, you know, it'd be like being in a, in a doctoral program at a university and they're saying to you, now when you get this, when you, when we have the ceremony and you get your certificate, you will be a doctor. It's futuristic. It's prophetic. It's what's coming. But you wouldn't use the name. You wouldn't call yourself doctor until after the bestowing. Well, Abraham can't really be Abraham until there's a baby. But not in God's mind. Because God will call those things. Paul said it was God who would call the things that be not, not, not there. As though they were there. And here he's going to do it. For thy name shall be Abraham. And Abraham may have thought, yeah, yeah, I know. That's the prophecy is what you're saying. But then this beautiful phrase is here in the word. For a father of many nations, not will I make thee. That's what he had been saying. But he said, have I made thee? Woo! God went from future to past tense in one statement. And from then on, God called Abram, Abraham, the fa- you are the father of many nations. I'm not sure how boldly Abraham advertised that because you look like a nut! You're 99, your wife's 90, and there's no baby, and you're going around saying, you know, my name's Abraham, that means father of many nations, I'm the father of many nations. Really? Well, uh, did, did, did we miss a birth announcement, or what happened here? And you know Abraham, with the new name, and Sarah, her name got changed too, from Sarai, Sarai, or however you say that, to Sarah. But the two of them, they weren't exactly great faith candidates when this all got prophesied, because they both struggled with it. And then we got Ishmael born out of the middle of it, and it's just a mess. <laughs> Arm of the flesh got, and that's another, that's a whole other teaching. Boy, that's a good one though, isn't it? You get the promise of God, and if you're not careful, you're going to help God bring it to pass with your natural stuff, and you end up with an Ishmael. Now, the problem with Ishmaels is they're easy to make and difficult to get rid of. And we do Ishmaels all the time when dealing with our money. I'm telling you, we do. We'll, do, we'll, we'll get our head in the middle of it and try to figure out something. And then before you know it, we've got our plan going and it's, it's going the 180 degrees opposite direction from God. And we're wondering, why isn't this working? I'm confessing. Yeah, but you've got Ishmael over here helping you. <laughs> anyway. So, you know, it came to pass all wonderful. Praise the Lord. But um, I wanted you to see that. Calling those things that be not, we need to be careful what we call things. 
even things. Like one lady was killed in a car wreck. She confessed to her her uh, her niece, it was her aunt, and she confessed to her niece, these brakes are going to be the death of me. Well, one day they were. She went to apply them and there were no brakes. And she ran through the red light and she got creamed and went on to glory. And uh, so people say, see, that faith stuff doesn't work. It works perfectly. That's the problem. It works so well, it can turn into a curse if you're saying the wrong thing. Jerry Savell, a great Bible teacher, he said, People come to him and say, Brother Savell, uh, the, the problem with faith is that it's hard. It doesn't work very easily. He said, no, it's the opposite. He says, the problem is it works too well. It works so well, we say things and we believe what we're saying when we're saying it, and it's a curse. And we're, we're saying bad things about ourselves, and then we wonder why it comes to pass, or it won't leave, or there's, you know, there's not a change. It works too well. All right. I'm going to just run through this very quickly here. We, we don't have to turn to all the verses, but I'll, I'll tell you what the verses are. Uh, you know, Jesus said in Mark, so we're talking about having the God kind of faith. Jesus said in Mark 11:22, have the God kind of faith. Uh, of course, that's not, notice he didn't say get the God kind of faith. A lot of people think they got to go get it somewhere. Um, the understood, if you know, if you know anything about the English language and grammar, if there's not a subject in the front of the sentence, the understood subject is you, right? So, so when Jesus said, "Have the God kind of faith," he really was saying, "You have the God kind of faith." Here's how to operate in it. If you say unto the mount, to this mountain, be thou removed and cast the sea, and not doubt in your heart, believe things come to pass, you shall have whatsoever he saith, it shall, you'll, you'll have it. Amen. Not doubt. Believe in your heart, not doubt. You'll have it. Amen. So he was showing how to use the God kind of faith, but he didn't say, now you need to see if you can get the God kind of faith. It's difficult. Hard. I had people say to me, you know, brother David, this was at healing school at Ramah, Tulsa, praise the Lord. Um, said, you know, the problem with you is that you think everybody's got Abraham's level of faith and not everybody's got Abraham's level of faith. I'm thinking, are you kidding? Abraham's level of faith is the lowest kind of faith you can have. Let me show you why. Because in Romans 4, it says, the Word tells us that he, uh, against hope, believed in hope, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. That's the lowest level of faith. You don't have to believe the mountain off the platform. You don't have to believe the thing in. All you have to believe is that what God's promised, he's able to perform. I'm telling you, you could go out here to Walmart and ask people, do you believe in God? And if they say yes, the next question, do you believe God can do what he says? They would say yes. Even sinners would say yes to that. Or you get my, you get it? We did, Abraham's level of faith wasn't so deep and heavy. It was deep, it was, it was difficult when he was trying to help it. 
with Ishmael and all that, Hagar. Y'all following me at all? But it became easy and everything happened like God said when he says, uh, okay, if God said it, he's able to perform it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said it. And secondly, he shouldn't have said it. If you can't deliver what you're promising, then shame on you. You shouldn't be just throwing out stuff to people, right? Making up stuff. We call that lying. God's not a liar. If God said it, he can do it. Praise God. Well, so Jesus told Peter and the bunch, after that fig tree incident, he said, um, you know, because he cursed it and dried it from the roots, he said, have the God kind of faith. Well, what kind is that? Well, it's the kind that says with the mouth and believes with the heart, like Romans 10. Now, look at Hebrews 11. And remember, the title today is supposed to be (laughs) David's Buckshot 101. No, it's um, Hebrews 11.3. Remember, we're talking about the tongue as a creative force. The power of the tongue as a creative force. Many books have been written about that, and it's all great. And we need it. Amen. Hebrews 11, 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by God's creative hands to the big ball of Play-Doh and smooshing it all together. No, that the framed by the Word of God. So that things which are seen were made of things which do appear. In other words, oh, I'm sorry, were not made of things which do appear. In other words, what's hidden. How did he do it? With his mighty hand. No, he did it with his mighty mouth. (laughs) Not to be confused with mighty mouse. Mighty mouth, not mighty mouse. Um, See... This current generation wouldn't even get that. (laughs) Mighty Mouse, I'm sure, was banned by the cancel culture. Made mice look bad or something. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Things that the things which are seen are made are not made of things which do appear. So, again, we don't have time to read all these, but you can read it at home. If you look at the the beginning book, Genesis 1, starting with verse 1, all the way through, what does it say over and over again, verse after verse? God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. And then God critiqued his own work and said, it's good. <laughs> he said, what I've done here is good. How did God make the earth? How did God make the universe? He spoke it into existence. And he shared his secret of creativity with us. How amazing. All right. Have you got just a couple of more minutes? I think I've... I don't know. Am I over? I don't know what I'm doing here. All right. You want to hear just a couple of more things on this? 
All right, so you can see, what would then be the God kind of faith? It's what God used to create everything. Hello, that means you and me can, you, you we, we together, uh, and individually and together, we can speak things into existence. Call those things that be not as though they were. Everything has a name. And then I don't, you know, maybe some other time I'll teach on this, and, and I have before. You know, Jesus went around talking to inanimate objects. Like that tree. He didn't say, Lord, he didn't say, Father God, I want this tree. This tree is really making me angry. I want this tree dead. He said, no man eat fruit of thee. Thee. You. He's, he has talked to this tree like it's a person. No wonder people question Jesus and his followers. That guy, shh, that guy talks to trees. He said, say to that tree. He said, tree, listen to me, tree. Come on, come on, come on, come over here. <laughs> and Hey, tree, look at me, I'm talking to you. That's the way Jesus did it. He said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. He's talking to a fig tree. That might be certifiable in 38 states. I don't know. But Jesus is talking to fig trees. And he's saying, if you say to, to the mountain. He didn't say if you pray about the mountain to the Lord. And you, and you, you know, whatever. A, Intercede around the mountain, get enough believers to join hands, to make a ring around the thing. He said, if you say to this mountain, do you know what geologists have discovered? That at about the time that Jesus said those words, there was a, 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 an earthquake in, um, in Israel. And you remember, there was an earthquake when Jesus died on the cross. But they said that there is a fault line <laughs> that runs right through the Mount of Olives. I wonder where that fault line came from. I think it came from Jesus Satan, just using it as a little, you, you know, be careful what's around Jesus when he's talking. Somebody said, uh, somebody had a picture of the wine section at the grocery store and it had a sign that said water. But it's all wine. They said, look, Jesus has come by the, you know. But Jesus' faith was that powerful. You know, if he would not, I believe this, if he would have not said Lazarus when he said, come forth, if he would have been standing in that cemetery and just said, come forth, every dead thing there would have come out. But he specified who's going to come. So, of course, there's a fault line through the Mount of Olives. When he said, if you just, he's just using it as an illustration. And he cracked it in half. Are you listening? 
My Lord, why do we struggle with this? Well, because we just let our mouth, we hook our mouth up to our feelings, our emotions, our brain, um, and our, the wonder of our mind, <laughs> and we talk. But we need to put a guard on our mouth. After I preach one of these, I'm real careful what I say. It lasts about three days, and then, you know, I got problems like you. But, um, I, I, I love that the God kind of faith is, is, is illustrated from the very get-go in the Bible. Um, let's look at two more passages, and then we'll be done, okay? This, will, this won't take five minutes. Look at Genesis 2. Uh, and you've heard, you've heard me here in this church teach on this before. But uh, Genesis 2, 19, out of the ground, um, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every uh, fowl of the air and brought them uh, unto Abram to see what he would call them and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Now that's a very powerful verse. Isn't that cool? That God could have said, here's the list. (laughs) Here's what these things are named. But he said, I'm going to let you have the privilege of naming, christening these animals with a name. And whatever Abram, I'm Abram, whatever Adam came up with, on the name, the Bible says that was the name. Now, if that worked for, for Adam, that'll work for you. Amen. That's why we need to go around calling everything in our sight, in our, in our life that we control, we need to, that's uh, under our name and roof, we need to call it blessed. Amen. You know, I mean, people will call their, they'll, they'll curse their car. You know, if, if somebody's cursing their car and then they say, can I give you a lift? No. You just said it was a piece of something we don't say in church. And uh, any version of that. And, and, and uh, you know, you, you just said, you know, these brakes are about to die and the, the, that front tire is about to blow. And But I'll take you to the airport, you know. It's like, no, no, I'll get there another way. Because you just cursed it, and I don't want to be in when your curse manifests. What if the airline pilot got on, you got, you sat down on a nice seat in American Airlines one nice frosty morning, and the pilot comes on and says, well, this plane's a piece of crap, but we're going to see if we can make it to Atlanta. Well, would you really want to stay there? Oh, well, can I have a Coke? I mean, no. You're going to, as long as the door's open, you're going to say, I want off of this plane. The pilot just told us that there's something wrong with it. Well, that's the way Christians, they curse their car, they curse their house, they curse their air conditioning system, they curse their water, this water, this city water, and this place is just junk. 
it's a wonder the whole place doesn't have cancer. I mean, people talk like that. They do. And you go, then they, would you like a glass of water? I don't think so. In fact, I don't even want to be here because, you know, you have just uttered and issued forth. Okay, one more verse. My wife's looking at me like, let's go. No, I'm kidding. Maybe not. I told you about that lady in Alabama that I said, y'all here gone home. She said, gone home. She'd had enough. Mark 16, Matthew. No, no Mark. Mark, Mark's dismissed today. Matthew 16, 19. Uh, you know, Jesus is talking to Peter and Peter's seeing that he's the Christ and, and all that. And he's talking about giving the authority to the church. Amen. And he says here, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Oh, I love that. You know, we've got the keys to the kingdom. And then somebody wants to get up and sing, Jesus holds the keys. No, he doesn't. He gave them away. He held them and then he gave them to the church. Read the Bible before you get up and sing something. I'm going to sing a good old gospel song, Jesus holds the keys. No. He does pick something else to sing, please. All right. I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you, not God, you, you shall loose or allow on earth shall be allowed in heaven. Amen. In other words, what you say goes. Woo! <laughs> This is exciting to me because I want to go around and say good things about everything. Amen? I talk to my tree. I talk to trees too. And I talk to plants. And I tell them they're blessed. And that as long as they grow on my property, they're going to be beautiful. And they're going to bring forth fruit and whatever they're supposed to bring. Or flowers or leaves or foliage or whatever they're supposed to do. They're going to do it. Amen. Call those things that be not as though they were. You know, we had a, a hole in the parking lot that looked like it was just not, it looked like it was getting bigger. And somebody said the S word. And I, I about said another S word because I said, we're not cursing this property. This is our property. We own it. No bank has a dollar against it. Nobody. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? We own it. It's got our name on it, the ministry's name. And I said, in the name of Jesus, the devil cannot come up from underneath and dig a hole and cost us $200,000 to fix it. No. And you know what? I think we threw, threw a little sand in there. But we've got testifiers here that that ground came up and filled from underneath. That's a miracle. And, you know, I was rejoicing about that, and I read about our friends down in Miami. They got a church north Miami, and they had a piece of property next to them that they needed for some buildings or parking lot, and, and it was cursed by the county. 
the county said, or the city of Miami said, there used to be some kind of a, what a phosphate mine there or something, you know, and they had dug a hole and, and, and the ground was polluted and, and, and you couldn't, you, it was illegal to even do anything with it, you know, to much less, I mean, I guess you could take a weed whacker out there and knock down the weeds. That was it. You couldn't dig a foundation for it. You get it or, 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 or pave over it or anything. And did you know that that, our friend, uh, Jerry Moore, her husband, uh, pastor, Stan Moore, they went out there with their congregation and they blessed that land. They said, this is, the county has said this land is cursed. We bless it because we need it. And they blessed it. And did you know they had asked for a second test and the test came out and it passed. They said, you can do whatever you want on this property. And they built a youth building or something. I don't know, parking or something. That they needed, maybe all the above. Folks, that's a miracle. To take a contaminated brownfields kind of deal and then speak the word to it and it changes, that's a miracle. We've had a miracle in our parking lot. Amen. Praise God. Praise God forevermore. And, uh, we're, we're, we're gonna continue to see that. You, you start, you know, whatever you call it, your, your, your checking account, man, this is never has enough in it. We're always behind, blah, blah, blah. Stop talking like that and say, I'm a tither. I'm a giver. And the Bible says that, uh, the devourer is rebuked. He's not going to just keep stealing from me. Amen. You guard, guard, you guard your heart, you guard your mind, you guard your stuff, and you guard your money, and you guard your health with your mouth. All right, let's pray. We'll be done here. I went over, oh Lord, 20 minutes. They're going to have the FBI out here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for your love and mercy and goodness today, those that are watching. I hope these words, Lord, it's my heart and my trust and faith that these words will penetrate hearts and souls and minds and, and make a difference. Father, those that are watching that have a physical need, we speak to that in Jesus' name. Command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors and growths and conditions to, to go, diabetes to dry up, all the things that uh, can cause a problem, heart conditions, uh, heart disease, uh, Parkinson's disease, ALS, um, Alzheimer, all these things that are, have a name that must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your healing touch. Those that have mental torment, mental illness, I thank you, Lord, for your delivering healing power, touching them in Jesus' name. Lord, those that, uh, that have physical and financial material needs in their life. Thank you for touching them, making uh, yourself strong. Show yourself strong in this week. In Jesus' name, amen.